0: Let's get started. Okay. Well, I said that, and then look what happened. (laughs) All the time. All the dang time. The
1: ultimate teases.
0: Oh, here we go. This is an emergency broadcast. Nope. Attention, everyone. Nope. Stop. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) I miss having my little soundboard program. All right, here we go. Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn on your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. Do you wanna get
2: right?
0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rockin' Podcast in all the land. This is, uh, well, the Rockin' Podcast on the Internet, I should say. This is Rock Out Loud. This is where a total square like myself and the Rockin' Chicken in all the land talk about the music that we enjoy and love, that jams, that moves us, if you will, and uh, hopefully have a good time while we're doing it. I'm Steve Glosson. Have I said that already? I don't know. That doesn't matter. What matters is it's not just me. I what here's what I bring. I bring the recording equipment, and and I bring the hits. What what we have with us. So who we have with us is the one who brings the passion, the knowledge, and all the deep cuts. Ladies and gentlemen, the rockin' is chicken all the land. Kristen from Jersey, what's going on, Kristen?
1: What's up, everybody? For those about to rock, I do salute
0: you tonight. In, indeed, you you stand saluted, one and all. <laughs> Stand up and be counted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for what you're about to receive. Yep, amen. Yeah. We're the dealers. Hey, how about we'll that? Give you we're the dealers. You need. That's right. That's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna do.
1: That should be our tagline.
0: <laughs> well, I'm I'm stoked about this because we are tonight on this episode. You know what? I realize some of you may not be listening tonight. Some of you are listening in the afternoon or whenever it may be that you are uh, receiving said show um we are talking about uh 1982 the music of 1982 and Woo! what and what a year 1982 was we'll talk all about that we'll talk about the music we've picked a few songs to play we've got there there was there was more music than there was um than there was opportunity to, to play songs um,
1: yeah. I mean anything in the 80s for us, right? Like it's going to be deep t- hard cuts.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we you're you're going to be hard-pressed to find um a, a year. I don't know. I'm going to say probably from around this point in time until, you know, we did the 1987 show several years ago, probably about 5 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um and and I think in that in that era from 82 to 88, 89, maybe a little bit into the early 90s. Um, you're gonna you're gonna find shows where it's hard to pick out the good stuff because there's so much of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of annoying. I mean, it's our error, right? It's our sweet spot, like born in the wrong decade. I
3: mm-hmm, mean mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, also like random, but like thank you, Peacemaker, for like bringing some, you know, spotlight on some, you know, good deep cut eighties metal, late eighties metal. Mm-hmm. Hell yes.
0: <laughs> uh walking in the sand, remember Parentheses, Walking in the Sand by Aerosmith.
1: Oh, that's the oh no
0: no. Yeah, no, no. yeah, and and apparently what that sound is, is it's sped up. It's it's that part of that song sped up.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. thinks of these things?
0: I don't know, but anyhow, just that's from off. That is, ladies and gentlemen, we've just brought you into a conversation that was happening before we ever went live, so or before <laughs> we ever started recording. So there you go. Welcome, welcome, just welcome. You in behind the curtain. You that's know? right. Um, Let's see Why can you have something that's in the way for years And within 10 to 15 minutes after throwing it out You find a use for it That's how I feel about 1982
1: <laughs> You threw it out You threw. You threw out I feel like
0: I feel, Here's what I think has happened This is honestly when it comes to the decade of the 1980s I feel like What people have done is turned it into a joke And they're doing kind of the same thing now with 90s Nostalgia and everything Mm-hmm. And if you did not live in the 80s, Kristen, you yeah. you may be prone to think that the 80s was all neon colors and valley girl talking and that sort of thing, when really the 80s, especially the first half of the 80s, were the remnants of the 70s. So yes. so a lot of panel walls, a lot of puke orange carpet, uh, flowery couches, um, smoke-stained furniture, because, you know, smoking was sort of thing. I was thinking the other day, The year must have been 1984 or 5. I was in second grade. And we were doing, you know how when you're kids, you have little school plays you do and everything. Mm -hmm. Well, we were doing a little school play. And I and my friend were playing two bandits, uh, robbers, if you will, who were holding up a, a, a little schoolhouse back in the days of the Old West. Okay. And to make us look grungy and grimy, like we'd come in a, right off a of ride in the trails or whatever, we went into the teacher's lounge where my friend's mother and, I guess, aunt or grandmother or someone were sitting there smoking, and they went into the ashtray, mind you, and took the cooled-down ashes from the cigarettes and smeared them on our faces.
2: Whoa! Yeah.
0: This was not this was the 1980s, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> that is legit. There
0: was a there was a smoking section at an elementary school. So there so take that everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's been going on with you in the past 2 months?
1: I know, it's been a minute. I mean Uh, The biggest thing that has occurred is right up Steve's alley, um, because I got tickets to like the hottest emo festival in town uh, (laughs) in January. (laughs) And um, it was funny because the festival is called When We Were Young, and every emo band that you've ever loved is playing it. Uh, I said said to my best friend, Andrew, I was like, any emo band that ever mattered is playing it. (laughs)
0: And it's true. It's it is a it is a festival full of depression, ladies and gentlemen. It is amazing. Oh,
1: I can't wait. And um, so we're flying out to Vegas for it. But when the tickets went on sale, so apparently, well, first of all, everybody was spreading rumors that it was fake and whatever. We won't even get into that. Um, but the best part was everybody was like, "Yo, like eighty nine thousand or no eight hundred and ninety thousand people signed up for pre sale." So it was like, uh, well, the venue holds 89,000 people. So that's ridiculous. Wow. So like day of, I was sitting there pacing back and forth literally all day. I had to wait till one o'clock for tickets to go on sale. I have eight browsers open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not playing. Mm-mm. Me and, and our good friend, friend of the show, Dylan Macca McManus, he was also trying to get tickets.
0: Of course he was.
1: And um, yeah, like, Five minutes before the tickets went on sale, it uh, I was out of the standby line. I was like, did it just boot me out? Oh, my God. What the hell? What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> and then like at 1 o'clock, like, it refreshed itself. It popped up where to put the pre-sale code in. I put it in, and then I just blacked out Um, and somehow got two tickets. It declined my credit card. That was horrifying. Shut up. Well, yeah, because those tickets were expensive. Mm. Um, and it was like, is this really you trying to make this purchase right now? And I'm like, yes. And um, it was like, OK, g- great. Yeah, tr- just try it again. And I'm like, please, God, let me get these tickets. Please, God, let me get these tickets. And it, I, it went through. I lit- They went on sale at 1. I texted Andrea at 103. And I was like, we are in. She was like, I had all the faith in you. I knew you would get these tickets. She's like, you get Bruce Springsteen tickets all the time.
0: <laughs> I mean, she's got a point. She's not oh. wrong.
1: She's like, the ticket gods love you. I'm like, well, I do make, you know, a human sacrifice to them regularly. So, you know, I got to be on the good side. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to do make a sacrifice to the gods. So,
1: yeah. So uh, if anyone's going out to um, When We Were Young Fest in October, in, in October, words, I'm tired. I've been up since 4 a.m. I'll be there. Super stoked. Can't wait. Day one. I I have no words. I will come back with a full report for you, Steve, because I know how important that festival is to you. Look,
0: I'm telling you what, when I saw this, I was just like, why can't, why, oh, why can't I have the same deal with the rock ticket gods that Kristen has so that I, too, may travel all the way across the country so as to be at this festival that, with all of these names that I love? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> With My Chemical Romance, The U's, Taking hey, Back Sunday, All oh, American New Jacks, Boys Like Girls, every band that ever mattered. Right. So, and then everyone's like, well, you guys know that, like, you're not going to be able to see every band. I'm like, uh, yeah, have you ever been to a festival? Have you?" And people are like, well, yeah, but there's like two stages. I'm like, girl, you've obviously never been to Warp Tour. <laughs> you have to sit there, like, okay, we have 20 minutes for this band, and then we got to go to this stage to see this other band. Right. It's going to be a cluster, but i'm here for
0: it well maybe it'll go well
1: um i believe it will i mean because i'm prepared Mm -hmm. so you know i got a good head of my my chemical romance is the only band that i'm like i cannot miss i don't care who's playing i mean hawthorne heights came out and they said if we're playing at the same time as my chemical romance don't come to our stage because we're not playing we're going to go see my chem and (laughs) i'm like uh same
0: but don't you think like that's everybody that's going to this festival
1: Well, here's the thing. People think that they're them and Paramore are going to play at the same time. And people are all like, oh, my God, who are you going to pick? I'm like, oh, my God, I don't even know how this is a question. (laughs) Guess what? For me, always my chem. It'll be my third time seeing them in three months at that point.
0: (laughs) Why would you even ask this?
1: I know. Well, and that was the thing, like me and Andrea were comparing lists and she was like, Okay, number one can't miss. And I was like, Shall we both say it at the same time? One, two, three, my chems.
3: <laughs> we
1: like we we were slick, we booked our hotel before we even had tickets because we're like, Well we could just cancel the reservation. Like, that's fine. So we have the hotel literally right across the street from mm-hmm. where the venue's happening or where the festival's happening. Um so, yeah, just very excited to make a nice little weekend trek out to Vegas in October. Wear my, you know, crazy red eyeshadow, thick black eyeliner. Let's go. Oh, Steve, I can't wait.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm excited on your behalf. Thank you yeah.
1: so much. Also, like, let's all send, like, the most positive vibes to MACA because MACA, Sat in the standby thing for four hours and did not get tickets. So he is on the the waiting list. So we have to hope that some, I'm sorry to say this, some poor emo kid cannot make the monthly payment because they selected Layaway. And, you know they miss a payment and the ticket goes to Dylan fingers uh, crossed and
0: that they have I'm something sure. else to be emo about. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. Cause I yeah. really want Dylan to go to show one so I can go to a show with Dylan. I think that'd be really cool. That would we be can awesome. see Mike, him together. So, you know, so everyone send your positive vibes to Dylan.
0: Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Everybody do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let me ask you something. I, we haven't talked about this and I, God forbid I changed the subject. Oh, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, we haven't talked about this. Uh, since we've last spoken, is, is it before we last did the show or since we last did the show that Bruce Springsteen sold his library? Uh,
1: I think after. Mm-hmm. I think.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. It's. I mean, it's been in the past couple of months, I thought.
1: Yeah. Um. I don't really know how to feel about it. I have, like, mixed feelings because I'm like, you literally, like, went to court and fought in court for years to get the rights back to your music and now you sell it. Um, But I've also been reading a lot of articles where musicians are kind of older musicians are kind of starting to do this now. So like everybody,
0: everybody is doing it
1: well, but specifically older musicians. So they can negotiate like the best deal. Mm -hmm. And that way, if and when they eventually pass on, the family doesn't get taken advantage of. The family doesn't have a crappy deal. And it's kind of like setting up you know their families for the rest of time right that's pretty much what i've been you know reading of as to why they're doing it
0: yeah well it is i was kind of surprised because of the same thing because it just seems like something that someone who's so in touch with being the artist that he is wouldn't necessarily do um
1: yeah it's like the doors it's like well you know he you have to like I don't know. It's like you don't see his music isn't saturated everywhere in pop culture. And now I'm like, are we going to start to see like Bruce's songs used more in like commercials and stuff? I'm like, I don't know how I feel about
0: that. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of I'm in that same. I'm in the same boat as you on that. I, I'm not sure how to feel. All about that I ask now,
1: I've watched many a Max Weinberg interview because uh, he's been making the rounds. Mm-hmm. Um. Hey, Max you better keep your word he was like yeah i'm gonna be busy this summer and like heavily implied east street band tour mm. and i'm like well good can that happen and not happen when i will hopefully fingers crossed out of the country because again your girl needs to like check off the last thing on her bucket list and see bruce springsteen from the front row
3: mm.
0: <laughs> and so good vibes for Kristen. that not only does maca go to the <laughs> yeah, to when we were young. Alright, <laughs> so So, so there's Ma- good vibes for Mecca, good vibes for Kristen. And the rest of us, will just kind of hope we'll just we'll just we'll be responsible for the sending out of the good vibes.
1: Exactly. Just, yeah. you know, give think of you keep us in your mind, positive <clears> vibes <throat> every now and then. I already told uh, my friend Waps, who is like the um, luckiest person alive when it comes to being up front and stuff. I was like, I know you hate Bruce. I might actually pay for your ticket to be there with me in general admission because I have all the faith that you will somehow get picked.
3: Mm
0: hmm.
1: And we will be up front. Like I have to work all my angles. Well, or I'll go with Macca. Maka's been up front like four times, and I'm like, how is
0: how? How does that happen?
1: I don't know. I've tried twice, and I've never been up front. Well, <laughs> the struggle is real.
0: And now, and now the quest for front row with Bruce begins anew. It is a quest. It is a quest. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that you just, you, you you feel bad for the people that don't get to do it, especially the ones that really desperately want to.
1: I know. If you would have told me, hey, Kristen, by the time you're 32, you will have met Bruce, but you will have never seen him front row, I would have been like, yeah, okay, sure, I will have met Bruce by 30. 30- yeah, that'll never happen.
0: That's, you know what, that's really interesting because the, uh, the, that is, Yeah. If you told me that you'd meet, of course, of course. What a great statement. I love that. If you'd have told me, I've met Bruce, but I've never seen him up front. Well, then how'd you meet him? I know. It'd be this long thing.
1: <laughs> It's like, wait, what? No, back up. How?
0: Yeah. What, what How do you do mean? Do you That's impossible. It? If you've met him and you haven't been up front, then I don't believe you. I think you're what? a liar, future, future me.
1: I know. I'm. T- it's, dude, it's rough. It's the con- hard The
0: confusion here. that would set in on young Kristen.
1: I know. And not only every time have I tried to do GA and be up front, not only has my lottery number not been close, it has not even been like in a thousand of Mm. close. Like it is like, oh, so the person in front of me or the person behind me is actually like 297 and I'm 296 and 297 got called. So I'm automatically the last person in line. That is what my experience has been like thus far. Wow. So. Yeah, Jeez. not a good luck band. Bruce and Mike M, not a good luck band when it comes to um, GA being close.
0: Well, I remember when I saw Bruce from behind him. Um, mm-hmm. there, there, one of one of my favorite things about that show was this older gentleman who was down. You know how the stage comes out a little bit in the middle. Yep. Um, who he was right in the corner there, on which would have been to Bruce's right, so stage right, and in that little corner where the where the stage juts out in the middle. Oh. And just having the time of his life. Just just the happiest older man you've ever seen. I mean, he had to be in his 60s. I mean, you know, he had to be around Bruce's age. Mm-hmm. And and just, just loving life. And he had a little, I, I'm assuming it was his wife, was there next to him. And they were just as happy as they could be. You Living know? the dream. Yeah, yeah. They weren't going nuts. They weren't going crazy. They were just sitting there with these smiles on their faces, just kind of bebopping along.
1: See, and that's why I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be up front, because I would be going nuts.
0: Well, there were other people going nuts. It's okay. Because
1: <laughs> I, I have no chill. If anyone's <laughs> ever been to a concert with me, I have no chill. Well. <laughs> that is my church. That is my happy place. Thank you so much. I don't.
0: And here's the thing. I don't know that anyone is surprised by that statement.
1: To, trust me me the amount of times that me and angie said that we're so happy that no one filmed us when we were running to the front row for the killers in <laughs> bethlehem pa that one time because it was like the length of a football field and i was in like slip boots like my my boots had no traction and i was hauling you know what i was like i got to that barricade there
0: she is at the 20 the 25 the 30 30 she could go yeah, all the way
1: touch down one
0: man to beat
1: I got to that front. I got to that barricade, and I like put my arms out to save a spot for Angie. And then she was like, "I'm here!" And we were, and we were there. We freaking did it. Everybody,
2: it. back off!
1: But thank God no one filmed it because it would have been embarrassing.
0: Well, <laughs> I wish someone would have filmed it if I'm being honest. Okay. <sighs> well, 1980. I just uh, the the whole Bruce selling his thing. Uh, his his. His library was just real interesting to me. I was very kind of surprised by that. So,
1: yeah, even my boss was like, "So Bruce," I'm like, "What about him?" Yeah, <laughs> and he was like, "The news." I'm like, "Oh, that he sold his that he sold all his stuff." He was like, "Yeah, how do you feel about that?" Because he knows I'm like a huge Bruce
0: fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting kind of thing that's going on, you know that 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 goes on there. It's it's really because, like I say, I just go back to the fact that you know, I it, it didn't seem like something he would. Be all about, you know.
3: Yeah,
1: Mm, I thought it would have went down with the ship, but
0: you know what? Um, so 1982, we'll just jump right over there. Oh, I want to talk about something really quickly. That's I want to say something that's obvious and stupid. Okay. But that I never realized. Okay. Um, we talked several months ago about uh this website that has specialized in. Uh, re-releasing and remastering um, Christian rock music, that, like I grew up on. And and they've released vinyls, several different vinyls, from one of my favorite Christian bands of all time, or my favorite Christian band of all time, Petra. And my wife was kind enough to pre-order them for me for Christmas. She thought she was ordering them that they would be here by Christmas. (laughs) Then she realized it was a pre-order and thought they would be here by my birthday. And, of course, they weren't here by my birthday, but they came in this week. And, um, and I was just looking at him and understand my entire life, I have seen Petra albums either on cassette, which is really rare, but mostly on CDs. And, and so I pick up this album and I'm looking at it and I turn over to the back and it's like, I'm looking at the album art on this thing. Cause they did this thing. They, they started doing almost a little bit like Boston, you know, where Boston kind of had a UFO kind of thing going yes. on a lot of their stuff. Only their spa- they 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 likened it more to like Star Wars is what Petra did. Like Star Wars was cool, and we thought it was cool, so we started making spaceships out of guitars.
1: And you hated that.
0: <laughs> no, I think it. I mean, I think it's. I think it's kind of cool, rock and roll kind of stuff, you know. And some of the imagery they put in, but I was like, I never noticed people down here. I never noticed this here, and I realized I'm like, the artwork was made for a record. It wasn't made for a CD. Ah. And so it's just so cool to be holding you know, this record that was originally released in the early 80s, late 70s or whatever it was, or early 80s, and just kind of see it for the first time with fresh eyes. Like, wow. Because you don't find Petra records when you're going out looking for your vinyl stuff. Like, you know, I've I've perused. I've started perusing. And it's like, nope, you don't really find a lot of that kind of, you know, Christian rock stuff out there. So um, I, I, I just think it, you know, look, look, I saw, in that moment, I'm like, I see the value of vinyl.
1: <laughs> I feel a habit forming. And,
0: well, that's the problem. I am addicted to collecting. <laughs> and Can so... we
1: please, we need to do a visual podcast where, where, <laughs> we, sh-
3: where we show off our toys. Okay, because,
1: that's... Steve... Literally, my because Angie was asking me today because um, the vinyl shop that I go to they just got a pressing of Master of Puppets and he's selling it for a hundred bucks. Mm. I'm like, how is Master of Puppets worth so much money? Because I have it. You know how much I spent for it? Zero. Because Angie gave it to me. Right. But it is the second most valuable vinyl in my entire collection.
0: Wow. What yeah. is what is the deal?
1: I have no idea i'm like has this not been pressed before is is like a first pressing like a big deal i have no idea but i have it and it sits under kiss love gun for the most expensive album in my
3: collection hmm.
1: <laughs> so i'm just like okay and like every about every week angie's like how much is your record collection work with on
0: discogs well wow.
1: <laughs> and she's like if you ever sell it just anything that i gave you just give me a cut of it and i was like dude i am not st- I am not selling any of this. This is dying with me. Thank you.
0: So, yeah, I'm pulling it up now on discogs. And I don't know. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing it. I don't know. I don't know how to look and see what they're saying it's worth there.
1: <laughs> I'll send you the screenshot of my thing.
0: Thank you. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, look. I just texted it to you. 1982. It's the music of 1982 that we're talking about, and I've already said 1982 was a crazy, crazy year for pop culture. There, there, there was born in 1982 many things um, that have just impacted and and kept going that have been constants since those days, and. And of that, a lot of it is the music. Like, I like going through some of the music that was released in 1982 is just absolutely mind blowing. Um, as we were emailing, and you sent me your pics. You know, you you sent a link to Wikipedia about, and said, look at the other notable singles from this it's year. It's insane. It's disgusting. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it is. Jack and Diane was 1982, ladies and gentlemen. And that's a that's a big honking show staple. That's why that one matters to me so much. Okay. B- but listen, 1999 by Prince, um, Africa by Toto. Uh, let's see, Back on the Chain Gang by the Pretenders. These are these are songs you're going to hear on like classic hits or classic rock stations all the time, like uh, all the time. Uh, just rolling through, rolling through, just to kind of see what what else we got here. Um, Crimson and Clover by John Jett and the Blackhearts. Mm-hmm. Which is a great version of that song. I think Prince is a little bit better. Dancing in the Street by Van Halen. ABBA broke up this year, but they had a they had a single The Day Before You Came, released, and of course they're all back now.
1: How about Don't Stop Believin'? Don't
0: Stop Believing was still charting in 1982.
1: <laughs> Girls on Film by Duran Duran still mm-hmm. charting in
0: 82. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see here. Yeah, Girls on Film you said just then. Gloria. For all our pop fans out there, still it, it was there that week. Um, heart attack by Livy Newton John, who was still getting physical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hot in the city. Uh, we got some Mickey. Her- oh, Mickey's so fun. Um, so it's fun raining. It's raining men by the Weather Girls. Uh, Hurt so good. John Cougar. You know all kinds of stuff that like still gets played or still you know is still there in 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 a lot of ways in the zeitgeist. Yeah, that's just absolutely it's absolutely just stunning to see what was going on. Van Halen's version of Pretty Woman was that year. That's one that still gets a lot of play. Rocking the Casbah by the Clash. Um, <laughs> one of my one of my uh, one of my honorable mentions is honestly Bob Seeger, Roll me away. Uh, yes. From his album, The Distance. I don't give Bob Seger enough love on this show, I don't think. so. Um, I mean, You
1: Got Lucky by Tom Petty. A good
0: night. So the, like,
1: and it's funny, because all these songs, for the most part, sound very 80s. Like mm-hmm. If you were to listen to them, you'd be like, yeah. 80s. I don't know that I'd be like, oh, 82.
0: That early in the 80s, right. Yeah. Right. But what we're where we're at is White Wedding, for crying out loud. Oof. Um, But where we're at is, honestly, we're in a time where... You're post disco, and you're just before the new wave stuff, and yes, so you're
1: at like the very fringe and of so, new wave. And
0: so pop music has a little bit of disco left in it, just a touch, a smidge, if you will, but it, it but it's leaning more into what the the pop music of the '80s would be known as, you know, before you get to kind of the new wave stuff. But rock and roll is, I mean, rock and roll is here to say. According to Buddy Holly, but also, um, you know, at this point, you've had some of your heavy rock. Your heavy metal has kind of been coined as heavy metal.
1: It's a lot of the new wave of British heavy metal. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And and there's and and the stuff that's happening is it, uh, you know, out in California is really starting to ramp up at this point. Um,
1: yeah, because in eighty two you have the US Festival, which mm-hmm. the US Festival had an entire metal day. Yep. That had freaking like Ozzy, Van Halen, Motley Crue, like the L.A. scene. Not the Ozzy's L.A., obviously, but the L.A. scene was very prominent on that day.
0: Right, right. And so you've got, you know, Dio is rocking at this point in time. Um, you, you've got Cinderella's out there doing their thing still in, you know, in 1982 already. But, you know, and there are and these are bands that are going to influence other bands that come about. You know, during what we'd call the glam rock mess and and everything that goes on, so um, we're your informative years, but you're also kind of seeing the result of kind of where pop music has been and where pop music is going and where rock music has been and what rock music is headed to. It's just a really really neat year because we're also
1: at the cusp of MTV starting as right, well,
0: right? Exactly. So yep. we're
1: starting to get that MTV influence into things also. Mm-hmm. So it's a very it's a very interesting time. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on just about to start and like simmering before it goes over to a boil and explodes.
0: Well, cable TV is a thing. It's starting to be a thing. You've got stations like the USA Network. TBS has been around. CNN launches in 1982. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of stuff happening on TV, not only a CNN launch, but I mean, you've got. Uh, some, some really fun TV shows happening. Of course, Saturday mornings is packed full of like the Smurfs and Black Star. Uh, you've got Spider-Man and his amazing friends. You've got an Incredible Hulk TV show on, in the evening, which this will be the last season of Incredible Hulk in 1982. But you also have a, a cartoon in the morning and that sort of thing. Cheers uh, debuts in 1982, Um, The Love Boat is going strong in 1982. It still has a few legs left on it in 1982. Dallas is huge in 1982. Uh, The Greatest American Hero is in its second season. Knight Rider debuts in 1982. Video games are huge in 1982. So much so there's an animation block on CBS that features Pac-Man and some other video games, but also TBS launches a whole game show called Starcade, which is about Video games, basically, it's people playing video games. Um, this is the culture. This is what's going on. In 1982, one of the biggest tragedies to take place, though, is on the Dukes of Hazard. Bo and Luke were left and and were replaced by Coy and Vance oh. for a large portion of that season. <laughs> but they that would is a return. <laughs> but they would return by the end of the season, and Dukes of Hazzard would still what uh, had had a few more seasons left in it as well. But I mean, it's just a. You're between Empire. You're you're anticipating Jedi, though you don't know it's Jedi yet. You know that kind of thing. So, Magnum PI is going strong. It's like in its second season, I think. Taxi would wrap up in 1982, or in the 1982 would begin Taxi's last season. I should say. Um, So, it's a it's a big time. It's a big time.
1: I wish I was alive. Oh my
0: gosh! Saturday mornings were great in 1982. (laughs) They were. I loved it. Smurfs was rocking and rolling by the end, and they were they were huge on the scene. So, but <clears throat> little Steve was living in a super conservative home, and I was only five years old for crying out loud. So I wouldn't have been listening to this anyway, not that I know of. But I definitely <laughs> wouldn't have been listening listening to Kristen's first pick of the show, ladies no, and gentlemen. You
3: better
1: play the whole intro, baby. <laughs> <sighs>
0: This goes against everything that I believe to be good. Woo! So, What's
1: up, baby? Up the
4: iron.
0: So here we go. Iron Maiden. It's the number of the beast. It's scary.
4: Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the
2: devil sends the beast with wrath, because he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number is 666 I left alone my mind was blank I needed time to think to get the memories from my mind why did I This fantasy, just what I saw in my old dreams, were the reflections of my warm mindset.
0: I mean, I've got to pray just to get the devil off of me. (laughs) I love it so much. I love what Angie Grant says in the chat. No wonder there was uh, Satanic Panic in the 1980s.
1: Well, that was like a major reason for me. Like, I love this song. I love a song to death. But that was a major reason for me picking this song. Because, again, like you're in that kind of like... What does KISS stand for? Knights in Satan service, burning records, all this sort of stuff. And you would go see Iron Maiden. People would be outside protesting. You know, Mm -hmm. religious groups would be outside protesting, saying that they were Satan worshipers. That, like it or not, is completely woven in with the metal scene of the
0: 80s. It is. And uh, uh, and so much so, like, I can't tell you that, I mean, like you— not only kind of that kind of stuff, but I mean, this was the era of backward masking and that sort of thing where, you know, if you play this song backwards, if you do this, look at this, look at how Dio spelled this way. It's Dio, but if you turn it upside down, it spells devil, you know, that kind of thing. And, (laughs) and it's like, it, it is to me in the moment, understand as a conservative Christian kid in the moment, I was like, oh my gosh, all this is true. And so rock music to me was like, the scariest stuff in the world. And, and it was the devil himself speaking, you know, and the imagery and all this other stuff. But then as you get older, you realize that, okay, we can make, if you don't want your kids listening to this, I understand, you know, that's fine, but let's just call it for what it is and talk about what's there. There's violence in there. There's, there are spiritual overtones. There's sex overtones. There's drugs, overtones and stuff here and there. That's rock and roll. You know, and if you want your child exposed to that, it's fine. If not, okay, fine. Here, it's it's almost like they're just poking the bear when they do stuff like this. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: I mean the 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 landscape was definitely primed, like yeah. I said, where it's just like, all right, you know that you know this this is gonna get a certain kind of reaction.
3: Yeah, yeah. But like for I sure. said,
1: I love the song. But that's. I was like, you have to play the intro because the <laughs> intro is iconic. My Chemical Romance used to walk out really that intro when I first saw them, and I would literally be at like the bar or in the crowd and just like screaming like, for it is a
0: human number, it's number six <laughs> no- hundred. 600- Wow. And I've never, I've got to take a bath when all this is said and done. Now, is that, that was Vincent Price. That's Vincent Price doing that, right?
1: No, that's just a producer.
0: Oh, wow. He sounds like Vincent Price.
1: He does. He does sound like Vincent Price. I, I mean, they were probably going for that.
0: Sure, they were. Of course, they were. He was the master of horror, you know, and, and he would also be on, he was also on Thriller, you know, and the, mm-hmm. to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. Also um, in
1: 1982. Yeah. Also, if there are Iron Maiden fans listening, we would be remiss if we did not mention that this album, Number of the Beast, released in March of 1982, has what so many people consider the greatest metal song of all time. The magnum opus of Hallowed Be Thy Name is on this record. It's like eight minutes or seven minutes of just like, you know, pure shredding mastery. Mm. So, you know, to the Maiden fans, you know, this I I'm aware that Hallowed be my name it was not my pick.
0: <laughs> well, now here's a fun little ditty that's that's kind of a very very much off the beaten path but it has to do with the with the contents of this song. Oh. Um there is a Christian rock band, again one that I really enjoyed growing up called named Garmo and Key. Mm-hmm. They were the first Christian group with a video on MTV in 1985. And it was banned from MTV Oh, For violence What did they do? The name of the song is 666 And in the song uh, The the bad guy Who is supposed to be like Either the antichrist or the devil Or somebody gets set on fire And so they played it once And MTV got complaints And they had to edit the video To take out the man on fire or to cut down the time that he was on screen on fire, that sort of thing. Wow. So, yeah.
1: Well, you have to remember, Steve, the Living in Sin music video by Bon Jovi was also banned, not because of all of the you know, adult fun time activities occurring <laughs> in it, but because um, at one point she takes the body of Christ in her mouth, and then the next shot is her with a finger in her mouth. That's why it was banned.
0: Hmm. Well uh, uh, Madonna uh, uh, had similar instances didn't she? Yes, yeah. I mean,
1: but Madonna was burning crosses to be fair. That yeah. is a little bit more radical. Well, yeah,
0: especially <laughs> nowadays. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Anyway. So, but here's the thing. You pull out Iron Maiden and I and look, I I I guess we could have just done this as an honorable mention and probably should have given our um given our format, but I just couldn't help but also include this by Iron Maiden. Now and this was this is what we call Iron Maiden's um, social commentary song.
1: Yeah, it's it's your you know historical lessons as you know sung by Bruce Dickinson. That's
0: right, and <laughs> <laughs> sung well by the way. Mom, um,
1: it's history. It's, Listen to this. <laughs> yes, it,
0: they're chasing the red men back to their holes.
1: I'm learning.
0: It it's a coward's attack against women and children. <laughs> um, the the I love this song. I love I love the vocals on this song. I love the. The way it it goes from just kind of that driving thing to just this chorus is, you know, letting him just belt it out instead of talk through it and everything. I just uh, it's such a great song to me. And I think a lot of I know I'm not alone in that, but I love this song.
1: It's interesting, too, because Number of the Beasts is the first album with Bruce Dickinson on vocals. Mm. It, it Like the previous album was their first singer, Paul Deano, Um So Killers is Paul Diano, like completely could not be more different. Um, and like when you think of Iron Maiden, you think of, you know, the soaring vocal mm-hmm. chords yeah, yeah, yeah. of Bruce Dickinson. Also, I do want to quickly just read from Wikipedia, because again, this is another album that has you know all this kind of lore behind it. Um, so there was an un- unexplained phenomena during the recording sessions oh. at Battery Studios, such as turn- lights turning on and off on their own and recording gear mysteriously breaking down. Mm-mm. These odd occurrences climaxed when Stop Birch, it. who I believe is their producer, um, was involved in a car accident with a minibus transporting a group of nuns, after which he was presented with a repair bill for 666 pounds.
0: Don't like it. Don't like any of it. Don't like any of it. Don't. Now, listen, I do want to say this as well. Oh, I just, you gave me the heebs and I don't appreciate it one bit. Mm-mm.
1: This is why we're yin and yang.
0: Not one bit. Don't appreciate it any bit at all. Uh, so I don't have... Uh, this is not the hard drive with it on there
1: we'll be cleansed by my third song indeed
0: well yeah sure (laughs) yeah look it's all downhill from here ladies and gentlemen uncle bill you're not going to be happy with anything else from here
1: (laughs) i mean this is this is bill's time (laughs) this is time for to be alive
0: (laughs) now now Kristen, there's a character in star wars lore named grand admiral thrawn
1: okay oh i've been seeing thrawn yeah
0: yeah yeah he um he is uh he's a great Star Wars villain that was created um in the 90s uh when Star Wars made a big comeback on the bookshelves. And he was brought to quote unquote life in the animated series Rebels. And it was just uh, there was one night we were sitting around doing a show, the Rebel show that we would do with Theresa and myself and others. And and I used Run for the Hills whenever Thrawn was... Com- like, I'd talk about Thrawn, I'm like, here he comes. Run to the hills! I would do that. And so then, um, Shaz Bazaar, good friend of the show Shaz Bazaar, did a parody of Run to the Hills, and he called it Thrawn Aims to Kill. And that's where our friend Stuffity, good friend of the show Stuffity down in Australia made videos where this Grand Admiral Thrawn cuz there's a whole scene where he's training, it shows him training and stuff where he's basically listening to his song Thrawn aims to kill while he's training. <laughs> but stuffy made it so that like you could hear it from behind the wall as they're walking up, you know, before the door's open, you can
2: and
0: the door's open kill. It was just this amazing thing. So so there's like a trilogy of Thrawn aims to kill videos on Stuffy's YouTube page where, like, just different times where Thrawn's just being awesome, he starts his theme music up. So that he, you know, and you hear, like, a tape deck play and that sort of thing. It's great. It's just... So I don't have... The hard drive that has that on there, I don't have hooked up to my... um, My computer right now, everybody. So that's why I can't play it. So I apologize. Oh. So Shaz needs to sell his catalog. (laughs) (laughs) Make that money, honey. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, you've mentioned them already—the old Knights and Satan service. Yes. And this is where Scott Rifen has perked up because Scott Rifen is a Kiss super fan, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and he could tell you all. Well, you know, this is not the really their best work. I tell you what their best work is. But I, I re- hey, props to her for picking this because I didn't think you guys even like Kiss. That's what he would say.
2: I'll tell you so, what I do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a letter to Superman. <laughs> This is Creatures of the Night by KISS. Chris, when Kiss is in studio, they do a pretty good job.
1: <laughs> well, this was their like return to, to like rock after mm. you know the KISCO record and stuff.
0: Oh yeah, I forget they did disco.
1: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I mean I haven't listened to Dynasty in a really long time, but right. I I think it's like one song. I think it's I Was Made for Loving You that was disco and everything else was just kind of
0: Are you kidding me? I was made for Loving You is a great song.
1: Well I know, but that was the that was the song that got, you know, stamped with Really? Kisco, yeah, that sounds totally a disco song. Really? Is it? That
0: doesn't sound right to me.
1: That oh my god, Steve! That like like bass in the beginning, that is so disco. All
0: right, I need to hear this to see what I'm what I'm wrong about.
1: Oh god, Kisco haters, plug your ears.
2: That's... That is that
0: is okay. Man. All right, let me tell you what makes it disco. It's not the bass. It is the it's the drum. It's well, the yeah. rhythm. All right, that's true. But listen, it rocks more than disco rock.
1: Well, yeah, but still, but, disco was so hated. See, why are we talking about I, disco? I'm
0: sorry. Anyhow, Creatures of the Night is a jamming song, by the way.
1: It is a very jamming song. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to pick this song, one, obviously, because it was released in 1982. And the the big song off this record is I Love It Loud, which I hate that song. So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: so I
1: wasn't picking that. <laughs> However um with this song so this song will always remind me of the like the first time I ever went into the rainbow like without um like going on a tour or something like that like the first time I ever sat down to like eat and hang out at the rainbow in Los Angeles this was the first song that was playing when we sat down um so I will always just have that memory of like that's jamming cool. out the creatures yeah. of the night
0: yeah that's cool <laughs>
1: in the rainbow and then also so um when i inherited angie and bill's record collection i got like all of their kiss Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and like obviously it's like all makeup kiss and like i had a few kiss records before that that i got just by like going to like garage sales and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but the only makeup era kiss vinyl i did not have was creatures of the night and i said this to andrea now here's the thing if you tell my best friend something like that she immediately goes to well i have to get that for her for christmas or for her birthday (laughs) whatever's closest so she got into an ebay bidding war for an original an original pressing of creatures of the night and had to go with me to multiple record stores when i was actively looking for that record she was like, "I have never wanted you to not find something you wanted more in my life than I have for the past like six nice. months."
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I was like, "Oh my god!" Well, like I'm really glad they didn't have it. I'm like, "What would you have done?" She's like, "Well, you still would have gotten it because this is a, like a good first pressing, and I fought for it." Mm. <laughs> so now that's like a little bit of like a prized possession in my uh, yeah
0: in my cool. collection now. And they look really freaky on the cover too.
1: Very much so. And also, like, this is, like, the record that I might not have this completely right, but Ace freely recorded, like, very few. Like, Vinnie Vincent is actually the guitarist that's playing on this record. Um, But he's not on the cover. Like, Ace still got credited for it. So this is technically Ace's last album before, like, they reunited back in 98. Mm -hmm. And it's also the first album that Eric Carr is on. Um, so a very different drum sound to previous Kiss records as well, because obviously Peter Criss is kind of a very like, like almost like a jazzy, like classical kind of drummer, like not power. And then like you have Eric Carr, who is very much like the power drummer.
3: Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I know. I we've re- we we got the extent of my knowledge about Kiss. When I said they sound really good when they're in the studio. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, some people would say, well, even their live records, Steve, are in the studio. So that's
0: true, Kristen. I do know that. Uh, hey, I understand what you mean by that. If you know, you know.
1: <laughs> if you know,
0: you know. And I do know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wink, wink.
0: Hey, you wanted the best, everybody. You got the best. So there you oh, go. Oh,
1: also, totally misspoke. John Phillips is right in the chat. Music from the Elder is yes, that catastrophe was the first per um the first album that Eric Carr was on. So mm-hmm. second album that Eric Carr was on, we, we'll just forget The Elder.
0: There you go. Um, I want to come back to this. We're going to have to revisit this I Was Made For Loving You thing at some point in time. Okay. Because I really want to break it down and talk about what makes it <laughs> disco. Okay. So because... Maybe
1: we could do like a podcast where it's like songs that are like wrongly associated with other genres. Or, or,
0: song, or songs that may be wrongly hated. Oh, you yeah, know.
1: we could do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's probably an easier thing to do.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. You know, a lot of people say this is a country song, but it's not. Uh... I just like to make things harder. <laughs> Who says this is a country song? So... <laughs> <laughs> Who says one is better alive is country? <laughs> Who said that? I don't know. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I'm sure someone has it.
0: Sometime. You know what? I would be so ticked off if some country singer came along and covered that. And, um... I, and I bet that... Shh, don't tell I me. Bet
1: it... I bet it
0: exists. I'm sure it does. I'm not going to go looking for it because I'm having a good time tonight. Yes. All right. Speaking of good times, bringing it on, uh, we're going to keep going with the uh, with, with the group. Um, th- I mean, look, this is one of those classic guitar riffs and sounds. It's Scorpions, No One Like You. of the few um, non-English speaking vocalists that you can actually hear their accent when they sing.
1: Very much via the Scorpion.
0: <laughs> you know, a lot of times when people have accents that aren't American accents, you can when they go to sing, you can't really pick up on that too well.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: with him, you always can.
1: Yeah, and I think that adds like a little bit oh. of like, charm. To well, it,
0: it makes it—it's it, unique. It sets him apart, you know, from from other vocalists of the time. Listen, that opening to that song is as iconic as any rock song that's out there.
1: Oh, it's a shredder. Yeah,
0: for sure. And um, I love uh, Mark also, you know, uh, Guitar Hero. Um, (laughs) And sure, I believe this was a Guitar Hero riff, but that's fine. That's fine.
1: That's fine. I mean, hey, like, I think of Guitar Hero almost as like... Again, like in the '90s, right? Like uh, in the, the like early 2000s. Yes. This era of rock not cool. No. Nope. No one wanted to touch it. So Guitar Hero comes out, puts songs like this on here, and all of a sudden it, it becomes really, more you're palatable. You're right.
0: You're exactly right. It really did do a lot to help a, a, a good heavy metal resurgence take place. Yeah, um, it's
1: crazy. Mm-hmm. So thank yep. you, Guitar Hero.
0: For sure. For sure.
1: Also, if y'all want to watch a super '80s video. Just look at the video for No One Like You by the Scorpions. You are welcome. Well, there is prison. There is um, a guy with forks in his eyes bashing a guitar against a wall. There's a random blonde girl because, of course, there is.
0: Right. Crazy. Right. Of course, there is. Of course, there is. Here's the thing, Kristen. If you'd have told me, if you'd have said, you know, here you are, Steve Glosson wants to be a millionaire, and you're sitting over there, you're doing the Regis role, and you're like, the hit single, uh, no One Like You was released by the Scorpions in, was it 1984, 1986, 1982, or 1963? You know, because they always have a stupid <laughs> on there. I would have said, I would have, I, I guarantee you, I would have said like 86, 87.
1: I also probably would have said yeah. that too, because I think the Scorpions are honestly a very over- Overlooked band in terms of like laying the groundwork for that 80 sound. Cause like you said, you listen to the song, it sounds like everything that came out from 86 to like 89. Mm -hmm, mm
3: -hmm.
1: Like it fits right in there. Yeah. Like the one thing for me that kill well doesn't kill this record, but like the album that comes before this record, Animal Magnetism. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, that is hands down my favorite. Scorpions record, <laughs> so like this, like there's some bangers on it. Like no one like you, obviously, mm-hmm, is a banger.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm like, oh, I just wish this was Animal Magnetism. <laughs> and then, of course, you have the big one, which is the next record that comes after this, and what like '84, Love at First Sting, which is huge. That's got all the huge hits on there. That's
0: got Rocky Like a Hurricane and Yep, mm-hmm,
1: still mm-hmm. loving you, Big City Nights, I'm leaving you, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um there they, they put out a cool album back in two thousand eleven mm-hmm. that was basically some, some re I think it, I don't know I think it was re recordings of these songs. Okay. Of a lot of these songs. I don't think it was like a best of album. It's called Come Black. Okay. And um and so you've got Rhythm of Love, No One Like You, Rocky Like a Hurricane of Course, and all of these Children of Revolution, Tainted Love. Um it's got uh it's got of course Winds of Change from nineteen ninety on there. Which, I mean, I remember when that hit. I mean, that was, you know, that's 13-year-old Gloucester, So, he definitely was aware of the fall of the Berlin Wall and everything. And, mm. you know, that became an anthem for the time back in 1990. Take so. me
1: to the magic of the moment.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Um, <laughs> okay. No, nope,
1: we're going to have a palate cleanser.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Is that what you call it?
1: Well, I mean, it's not... A Satan song.
0: That's true. That's true. You're welcome. Mm, well, don't think I should have to ask for that, Kristen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> In 1982, you do. You're right. Hey, how about you're right? You're right. All right. This is modern English, and Uncle Bill's going to be mad at you. Here we go. I'm out with you. What a classic song. And so 80s. (laughs) Oh, so very 80s. So how many movies is this? I mean, this feels like it's been in a thousand of them.
1: I was just going to say, so, okay, I love, love the movie Valley Girl. And this is like the main, like this is the couple's theme song is I'll melt With You. Also, like a very loved song of my gram. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) so gotta love this song, you know?
0: I mean, I don't know that it's been in a ton of movies, but it feels like it is one of those that has been in a bunch. But I, I obviously, Valley Girl, back in the 80s. Um, and yeah, I'm seeing here nothing else, really, other than maybe like not another teen movie, which, you know, is a whatever, Stranger Things. <laughs> it was in Stranger Things. whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's a parody, so it's going to be put in there for like humor's sake, not, you know, not to be used to make it a great soundtrack. So but I'm telling you what, I it does. It 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 this screams eighties. Like it is it is woven into the eighties pop culture zeitgeist. Modern and English.
1: And it's one of those songs, like it's just a pleasant listen, you know? Like you listen to it, you like bop your head. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like it's one of those songs you don't have to think about a lot. You're just like, Yeah, this is great. And then that chorus hits. I mean, who doesn't know? That chorus, like, even if you, you listen to that song, you're like, I have no idea what this is. Once that chorus happens, it's like, oh, I'll stop the world and yeah. melt with
0: you. And you're like, yeah, I Yeah, I know this. this. Yeah, what is this song? It sounds familiar. I'll stop the world and melt with you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely.
1: But yeah, so a little palate cleanser, you know, coming out of to like two, you know, metal songs. Yeah. Slightly, you know, Satan, Satan-y songs. So, <laughs> I mean, I know the audience, Steve. I know sure. you. Sure,
0: so. sure. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you sacrificing for us instead of the devil.
1: Oh, at any um, time. I mean, it what, it was really, really hard, you know, because I tend to lean that way. But <laughs> <laughs> I did say earlier that I do sacrifice. I do That's right. Sacrifices to the ticket gods on a regular basis. That's right.
0: To the ticket gods, we must. We must I do must so. show them respect. Must show them. Must show respect to the ticket gods. Must do so. Must do so. Well... Uh nineteen eighty two. This was this is one of those that's kind of a cheat because this was definitely on the charts in eighty two apparently, even though the album was released in eighty one. Mm. Um late eighty one, November of eighty one. This was on the charts there in eighty two. And uh this is from a band that anytime I get to play them on the show I like to play them. A C D C Tonight to the guitar bike, Kristen. Mm. Um, this is uh, like th- We've done a show, Best First Tracks, yes. on an album, and I mean, I think this is right up there with it. This is the follow up, of course, to Back in Black, which mm-hmm. is you know, hit after hit after hit came off of that album when it comes to rock music, rock and roll. But this, the way this starts is like, we're just going to ease you in a little bit with a little bit, you know, but we're also going to command you stand up and be counted. For what you're about to receive, you know, don't you can't sit down because it's about to get nuts up in here. And then <laughs> there's and,
1: a cannon coming. Yes,
0: there is. They're gonna fire it off. And then you know, and then yet yeah, by the end of the song, you're you're jamming to ACDC like you know them to be. And so I just like even just sitting here, I'm like, oh, here we go. Got to get pumped. You know, just you just get pumped. You just get pumped.
1: They do such great like um intros just to their songs alone like their songs always have like such a good buildup
0: yep
3: yep
1: like and who doesn't freaking just love that mm-hmm. um i got a bit of trivia for you steve okay do you want to take a guess to where the single for those about to rock landed on the charts
0: um when it was all said and done
1: well at its highest point like the highest point it reached oh wow on the
0: charts. um Overall or just on the rock charts? I'm sorry to make this more difficult. Um,
1: it just says UK on the UK charts. On
0: the UK charts, well, it probably made it to number one in the UK. No, no, made it to number eleven in the UK.
1: You're close.
0: Mm, Number twelve. Closer. Thirteen. Closer. Six six six. Way far away. I thought I thought we maybe (laughs) get. (laughs) <laughs> what about fifteen or so? 15, 16? 15, yeah. Yes. Not bad. Not bad. For... Here's the. Here's what I like about ACDC. Here's what. First of all, don't like that. Uh, apparently, Brian Johnson did have a deal with the devil to do Back in Black. Um, <clears throat> but what I do like about ACDC is they're, They know who they are and they don't apologize for it. You know, you're not going to be like, well, here's a new experimental album by ACDC. You know they they didn't go through their acoustic phase necessarily, um, and and I appreciate that because and, and you know you can say well they all sound the same it's all the same kind of thing, Johnny Cash same way but people respect him. Just saying,
1: <laughs> just saying. Well, to, so again, like two things about this record: it obviously is the follow-up to Back in Black, like mm-hmm. you said, right? Almost a flop, right? Comparatively, yes. Because Back in Black sold $25 million, mm-hmm. one of the best-selling albums of all time. Um, and this sold, I think, $4 million. So that's just yeah. bananas. Yep. Um, and also produced by Mutt Lang. Mutt
0: Lang, yeah, for sure.
1: And also to address Mark in the chat, the album came out in 81. The single was released in 82.
0: Single was released on March twenty second, 1982.
1: So that is... We're going for the single, so.
0: But now the the album itself hit number one in the U.S. and was there for three weeks on the Billboard chart, by the way. Okay, there so, you go. Yeah, and 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 this single is one of those that stays classic. Now, the rest of the album, I you know, you've got to be an a ACDC fan to probably notice a lot of these or know a lot of these because it's not going to be some of those songs that people know by name. To start jamming to, and and it was, I mean, like, obviously when you talk about 4 million versus 25 million, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that's the, that, that, that's the rub, ladies and gentlemen, you know, that's just how, you know, it's going to be a little bit different, but, um.
1: Also, Steve, I just texted you a picture that Bill just sent me of a young Bill. Oh, nice. (laughs) In an ACDC shirt.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Look at Bill.
1: We love to see it.
0: That's great. <laughs> Playing Atari, by the way. Oh, I... <laughs> got the old school joystick rocking. Yes, I am. I am there for that. I am there for an old school joystick.
1: I knew you'd appreciate that picture. Of course,
0: I do. That's an. That's a picture of the eighties, right there.
1: I know. Angie and Bill have some amazing eighties pictures. Also, um, speaking of the eighties. <laughs> um, Angie, her she um was in inter- well, she wasn't interviewed, her friends were interviewed. I think she said she was interviewed, um, but they didn't like they didn't like air her part of the interview um from a Motley Crue show in the eighties, and she has airbrushed Nikki Six shirt on, and it's like going around TikTok right now, like of that shirt in like the clip that's showing. <laughs> so really? I was like, dude, your your shirt's TikTok
0: thing <laughs> That's funny.
1: <laughs> and like in the full clip, like you could totally like you could see her. It's not just her shirt. But yeah, I was like cracking up. I'm like, Angie's TikTok famous.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I'll have to send it to you. I'll Please send do. it to you later.
0: Please do. Um, <laughs> let's keep it rolling here with uh, with of course Rock Out Loud Staple, ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Springsteen himself. Um, With the, an
1: awful version. I should have told you to play the live 7585. Oh, version.
0: well, you know what, Kristen, I can do real quick? <laughs> I can pull that we'll up. I sure can.
1: This is the executive decision. No, this was probably not recorded in 82. However, I really dislike this song.
0: <laughs> well, here's the thing. I was surprised because it's off Nebraska.
1: I know, not my favorite. Not, However, this song.
0: Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, here it is. This is Reason to Believe. Not recorded in 82.
4: Congregation Gathers Down by the Riverside.
0: That's the live version, ladies and gentlemen. Not recorded in 1982.
1: But, but. the original song was.
0: <laughs> That's right. Off <laughs> Nebraska. The much. Mal- <sighs> is Nebraska pretty much maligned?
1: No. Is it Malas- not? My almost said Malaska.
0: Malaska? Malaska.
1: <laughs> is loved.
0: Okay it's
1: such a critically acclaimed album. Like you talk to so many people and they're like this is the best thing he's ever done.
0: Okay. All right. I why not was I make. thinking? But this <laughs> is not but Nebraska's not Bruce and the East Street band.
1: No, it's just Bruce Springsteen.
0: Okay. So, I I maybe that's why I thought it might be mind a little bit. I don't know.
1: I mean, they're basically demos. Like all the songs on the record are basically mm-hmm. demos, mm-hmm. so they're super stripped down. Um the crazy thing about this is that this and born in the USA were originally planned to be a double album
0: oh hell wow.
1: so the songs on nebraska and the songs off of born in the usa were supposed to live in the same universe hmm. i don't know how that works that's just crazy to me um but i have always always loved reason to believe so much um, I have cried many a time while listening to this song. Just so, <laughs> like the line that e- that it wraps up every verse at how at the end of every hard earned day, people find, find, some her, yeah, find some reason to believe.
0: Some reason to believe, yeah. Hmm.
1: It is they are beautiful lyrics, you know, uh, congregation gathers down by the riverside preacher stands with the Bible groom stands waiting for his bride congregation on the sunset behind the weeping willow tree groom stands alone and watches the river rush on so effortlessly. Hmm. Like the lyrics are stunning. (laughs) And Bruce never thought I'd hear the song live literally ever in 2007. He started to incorporate this song into his live show um, and it was like one of the songs that he would play every night and he rocked it up. He had the bullet mic. He had the harmonica going. I was like up banging my freaking head. <laughs> Made my life ha- getting to hear this song live. Incredible.
0: Nice. Well, <clears throat> it's Bruce. I told you, no chill. <laughs> no, not at all. Not even on the show.
1: Sorry. Also, Nebraska does have my father's house, Steve. Which I, you, you didn't watch the Netflix special, right?
0: No, I didn't get to. I know I haven't finished it. No.
1: Okay. So this is the my father's house is the song that he sings about his dad okay. when he's talking about his dad. So that's mm. all you need to know in terms of what that song's like.
0: Right. Right. And and we know that that's my that is my um my gateway into Bruce's life and. My love for him is the whole father relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That gets me all the time. Can't get.
2: <laughs> Don't talk about it too much. No,
0: no. I'll just never get over when he's talking about, you know, all those years his dad was like, you need to go to the army. I, you know They'll cut your hair, all this stuff. And when he goes and, and he gets his letter that he was rejected, his dad's just sitting me. there. He said, that's good. That's good. Oh. I mean, that says everything it needs to say.
1: Yep. Wow. Well, like, I know people, like, sir, some people don't love that. Like, they don't love the storytelling. They're like, shut up. Like, I'm not here for this. Like, that, like, for the river, I will always help you, you want to know what Springsteen is about, listen to the live version of the river on 7585 with that entire introduction story oh, and really listen to what he's saying.
0: That's what I'm here for. Uh, yes. Is the storytelling. You know, that's... <laughs> That's what I'm here about. And uh, anyhow, all right. Well, moving right along. <laughs> also,
1: the big song off Nebraska, Atlantic City. Of course, I wasn't going to play that.
0: Let's move on. Of course not. Um, <laughs> Duran Duran had a big hit or two this year in 1982. Cool, they? Released a big album. Uh, this is the song I've chosen to play by them off of Rio It's Hungry Like the Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Number three on VHS, or VHS, VH1's uh, 100 Greatest Songs of the 80s.
1: I mean, it is one of those just iconic songs of the decade. Yes, yes. If you like Duran Duran or not, it's there.
0: Well, now, I have a little, here's a little story. Love it. Um, I was walking down the street just the other day. No. Um, The... (laughs) This song, okay, and I've got it again, you've got to go back to all the satanic panic Mm
3: -hmm. of the
0: 1980s, and you've got to go back to vivid imagination, Steve Glosson, little boy, like my imagination fires on all cylinders, there's a ghost in every corner, there's always someone trying to get me, because there's also stranger danger in the 1980s. (laughs) Um, my imagination never took me to good places as a child It always took me to the bad place Like, like, oh my gosh, this is so scary I'm freaking out over here, you know, that kind of thing um, And we had, we, our church Just like every other church in the 80s Had some dude come tell us about how evil everything was That we all loved And he's hitting my beloved Star Wars in the face He's talking about my beloved He-Man You know, he's just really Oh my God Yeah, he's letting us have it, you know Rude. But he's talking about, of course, the rock music and the violence that's inherent in rock music. Well, Duran Duran comes into play. <gasps> and he and he specifically talks about this song. Now, I'm a child. I'm living in a preacher's house. I'd never heard this song before in my life. I just knew it was called Hungry Like the Wolf. <laughs> or, as I used to think, Hungry Like a Wolf. Get your get your articles right, ladies and gentlemen. And he told a news story about a woman who killed her children to be with her boyfriend that she wanted to be with, and he didn't like her children, so she killed her children. And this was her favorite song, and this is the song she played the night that she was going to kill her children.
1: Oh, my God. They just love to blame murders on rock and roll.
0: I know. I know. But now, listen, I didn't know that. I'm a child hearing this story. And so I'm thinking... This must be the darkest sounding, most evil song ever. And I will never listen to it because I don't want to let that in my life.
1: Literally starts off with a girl giggling.
0: Yeah. And then I hear. It can't be denied. Yeah, no. Anyway, there is some lifetime movie or something about that particular story. And they use this song in the soundtrack. No. because- because it was true, the woman's favorite song was "Hungry like the Wolf" by Duran Duran
2: scandalous,
0: yeah, so scandalous, so imagine my surprise when I'm jamming to hungry like the Wolf one day, listening to some classic hits radio and and then I realized as a as an older individual, oh well, this isn't a scary song,
1: <laughs> not at all, Mm-mm. I mean, think about like again, like some of the stuff where it's like. Even think of Kiss. Like you look at Kiss, and you're like rock and roll all night and party every day. And you're like, well, <laughs> I mean,
0: that's what that's night. I not, guess that's I guess that's that's what nights and Satan service would do,
1: right? We just we just want to rock and roll all night, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I feel that we would have done a disservice to this show if we did not do Duran Duran,
3: right? Right. Like
1: they needed to be represented, um. I mean, this album is iconic. The album cover's iconic. Mm-hmm. The music videos from this record are iconic. Yes. Like, it's just one it, of those records. It can't be denied.
0: Rio is where they're out on a boat, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. With that amazing bass line. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Tasty we gotta, licks. We gotta play a little bit of it. Yes. Just a t- Just a tiny bit.
1: Just a touch. Taste.
0: Takes a bit to load. Takes a chance to get going. It's like the TARDIS coming in the land or something. Don't get them, don't, don't, don't. That whole idea of like a synthesizer style music with just a little bit of guitar going with it and everything, mm-hmm. that is what, like literally, when you talk about this is kind of the, the, the this, this era, this, this year or so is the time period that would influence everything that would come after it until the early 90s, this is that sound
1: very i mean very like like you said like that synth that keyboard that it's i like for lack of a better word that gloss like it's very glossy
0: yes yes yeah for sure and like you look when by the time you get like to 1985 and you're doing and like, in like and this is how you know the sound has stuck because it's working its way into children's stuff but like 1984 1985 uh Transformers movie is all synthesizer soundtrack with just that kind of just fingering the keys, you know, up and down the board, you know, kind of thing. Rocky four, same thing. Um, you know, and it's just uh, TV shows, news shows for crying out loud. That was kind of the sound. I That makes me think so much of wrestling on TBS on Saturday nights. Just ah. a, just a little, you know, and it's all just synthesizer. And maybe a little guitar in the back or a bass line in the back, you know, just like that. That glossy is the best way to put it,
1: right? And also, we cannot overlook the fact that Duran Duran was—I mean, they weren't a boy band, but in terms of the fanaticism that we would see later in the '90s with the boy bands, like that's what Duran Duran was. It's like, oh my God, are you a John girl? Are you a Roger girl? Like, you—you had like everyone had their guy. Are you a Simon girl? And you know. Their image was a huge part of that band. And again, did the critics hate them? Yes. Do critics know anything about anything? (laughs) No. So, and, you know, not to go down this rabbit hole, but for the first time they are eligible. They did get on the nomination ballot for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they 100% should have been in a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Just saying. But because they're pretty boys from the 80s, you know, no, you can't be in. So,
0: um we'll see. I, I would be um remiss if I did not mention that my wife, when she was looking at nineteen eighty two songs when she found out what we were talking about, mm-hmm. um <laughs> saw Hungry Like the Wolf. She's like, I know that. I'm like, how do you know that? And she's how, like
1: How does one not know that? She
0: said, Well, listen, she's <laughs> like they just played it on an episode of Grimm I just watched.
1: It's in the zeitgeist, man. You cannot you cannot deny. The power of Duran Duran compels you.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> I've done a little bit of research, and I believe I may have found this. Okay. The movie was called Small Sacrifices. Oh. I believe. Um, the film is about Diane Downs and the murder and attempted murder of her three children. Yes. It stars mm. Farrah Fawcett interesting yeah john Shea of the uh lois and clark fame as he was uh who was he on that he was on um he was on lois and clark as lex luther uh oh, i
1: was gonna say it wasn't perry
0: was no 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 I, it was taking me a minute to get there uh the film premiered in two parts not on lifetime ladies and gentlemen on abc oh. in 1989 november 12th and 14th 1989 now here you go you ready On May, on 19th May, 1983, approximately 1048 p.m., Diane Downs drives to McKenzie Willamette Hospital in Springfield, Oregon, with a gunshot wound to her arm. She claims that an unknown assailant attempted to carjack her and shot her three children, Karen, nine, Shauna, seven, and Robbie, three. Terrible, terrible situation. Her eldest daughter, Karen, was suffering a temporary loss of speech due to a stroke after the shooting, but recovers sufficiently to serve as a witness in court against her mother. Yes. Diane's son is paralyzed due to the gunshot. In a flashback, her father, Wes, abandons Diane by abusing her and locking her out of the house. Anyway, that's in the movie. Uh, She was eventually tried and convicted of murder and attempted murder. During the trial, the prosecution plays Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf to demonstrate to the jury Diane's choice of song used to motivate her to kill. And I believe this was based on a true story.
1: That defense is as sturdy as Swiss cheese.
0: Based on the true, best-selling true crime book by Ann Rule of the same name.
1: Hmm.
0: So this happened.
1: Interesting. And that's not one you hear about. You hear a lot about Judas Priest. You hear yeah. a lot about the Aussie trial. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, But that's uh, that's Duran Duran, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's what happens to you when you listen to this music. So just beware. <laughs>
1: We've been on a roller
0: coaster. Now listen, speaking of listening to some music. Uh Uh-huh. This is Twisted Sister, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Who, by the way, Kristen, this is where this is one of the another one I was surprised was around in 82, but here we go. Under the blade.
2: A flash of light. You know you're not going home tonight. Be a jackal switch, doctor's a mind. The widow to no, run everywhere you'll find. You can't escape from a bedroom aid. When your time has come, you'll accept the... pride! Till the whole. Now here it comes, that twisting light. It goes to your side. Blackness comes tonight tonight. Please go no light. Cause you're under the blade. Oh,
0: you're under the blade. Are they getting plastic surgery? Is that what's happening here?
1: You know, Steve, I am going to stand up. And applaud you. Why is that? For getting that. Because I was going to bring up the D Snyder PMRC hearings, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because right. this song was a song that was brought up. Really? And I quote from D. Snyder's testimony. If you have not watched that on YouTube, watch it. So entertaining. Mrs. Gore claimed that one of my songs, Under the Blade, had lyrics encouraging sadomasochism, bondage, and rape. The lyrics she quoted have absolutely nothing to do with these topics. On the contrary, the words in question are about surgery... And the fear that it instills in people. I can say categorically that the only sadomasochism, bondage, and rape in this song is in the mind of Ms. Gore.
0: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love Dee Snyder talking about that whole situation because he he talks about how they well, they didn't expect some rock and roll guy to come in there and actually have be able to talk, you know, be able to speak plainly. Put a sentence together. Yeah, be able to put a sentence together. And, and he went in there and kind of stood up against the whole PMRC thing. Which yep. the PMRC, let's be honest, they did more to sell records for some of these people than they did for themselves. Please, up,
1: everyone says that. Like, as soon as one of those parental advisory stickers went on a record, you were guaranteed to sell a million records minimum.
0: Yeah. So, um, but no, I did not realize that eighty two they were out doing their thing. I thought, um, I thought they were a little bit later in the eighties.
1: Well, the interesting thing with Twisted Sister, so there is I. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is, but there is a great documentary that was on Netflix. If it still is, watch it. Recommend called "We Are Twisted Bleeping Sister," Mm -hmm. and it goes through their entire career because Twisted Sister was playing like the local tri-state area clubs and became and rose up as this huge band that was playing these like 3,000 seat theaters. Locally and could not get signed they were known to be like bombastic and crazy obviously the look and then they come out with stay hungry is the big record that has all the big hits i want to rock we're not going to take it etc right right and then after that record came out it all kind of crashed and burned like everything that they came out with afterwards Mm -hmm. was you know not up to par um Definitely didn't live up to the the standard that Stay Hungry did, and they broke up, in, I believe eighty seven. Hmm. So think about how short of a career that is in terms of being massive and part of the right. massive pulp pop culture. And they still to this day have this huge footprint in the rock world.
0: Well, uh, once again, I'm a little sh- I shouldn't be shocked, but they were in Pee Wee's Big Adventure in 1985.
1: There we go. See? Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. That they they were singing it was it said it's well, you know, he's running through the Hollywood lot trying to get his bike. And then oh. he comes on there like and they're singing count on me. You're gonna burn in hell. Oh, I love that song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, all you need to know about the legitimacy of the PMRC, like we're not going to take it was on the filthy 15 list. Mm. We're not gonna take it. Are you kidding me?
3: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, kudos to D Snyder. Watch that documentary if you have not Watch D Snyder's um testimony at Congress for the PMRC hearings. Also, because I did text Steve about this and I did like mention it very briefly, kind of off the top. Um, over the weekend a documentary premiered on Reels called The Guest List, America's Deadliest Rock Concert, and it's about the station fire. In mm-hmm. the early two thousands, that great white played in, in Rhode Island, and it is a very, very well done documentary about that event. That kind of comes at it from all sides, um, and D. Snyder is in that documentary and has like has a, ste- a scene stealing moment mm. when he's just calling out all the major bands that wanted nothing to do with playing a, um, oh my God, like a, a tribute concert or a charity concert to raise money for the victims of wow. the people that died. And it's amazing. Like were... it is an, it's an amazing moment. and um, when you think about it with that station nightclub fire, it there was, I think like 460 people in the venue that night or something like that. A mm-hmm. hundred died. And then another 200 were injured. So 300 out of the 460 people that were in that venue walked out injured at the very least. Mm. So an amazing documentary. You know, be in the right headspace (laughs) to watch it. Yeah,
0: it's not a happy one at all.
1: Well, at some things it is the survivors and, you know... some parts you're just like wow like this I'm so happy to hear this but it is a tragic story mm-hmm. where if you were someone like I'm sure many of the people that listen to the show are that go to shows go to clubs I mean how many of us have been in small venues that like you know you sit and you think like hopefully nothing happens cuz I don't I don't know how I can get out um we've all been in venues like that yeah and Uh, In this instance, if you were not out in 90 seconds, Mm. you were probably dead or extremely injured.
0: I mean, wow.
1: Yeah. So it is, like I said, it's a great documentary. I highly, highly recommend. Even if you're just a music man, you don't need to be a fan of 80s metal or great white or anything like that in order to watch this documentary. Um, So please check it out. And like I said, D. Snyder. The man, the utmost respect. So I had to, you know, honor Mm -hmm. Twisted and D by putting them on my list.
0: Yeah, well, um, good choice. Good choices all around. Look, 1982 is is full of, as we said, so many touchstones in pop culture that have lasted to this day as being remembered as some of the some of the best things to come out of entertainment to to be in the zeitgeist and um and, and and of that of course we didn't talk about movies that came mm. out in, and we mentioned some tv shows but here let me just run down a few of the movies Please that came do. out that year tootsie Major. came out in december of of 92 um let's see so that's a little one that's a little one that came out in 1982 here's one that was kind of little but still is a cult favorite. Swamp Thing, uh, mm. Wes Craven's Swamp Thing in 1982. Um, also, let's remember Annie, The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar. 1982. And I'm not ashamed to say that as a child, I loved Annie. Loved that okay. musical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, as a little boy. Um, the Man from Snowy River is a favorite of mine that came out in 1982. Great Australian Western starring uh, the elder Douglas, my, uh, Kirk Douglas? Kirk Douglas. <laughs> I get Kirk and, Kirk and Michael confused because they look so alike. <laughs> um, fan favorite, fan favorite Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan.
2: Mm.
0: Cult classic Blade Runner. Cult classic Conan the Barbarian. Yes. 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. Grease 2, while we're talking about some sequels, speaking of uh, Star Trek 2, Grease 2 was out there. Tron, Mm -hmm. you know, which again, cult classic. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yep. Um,
1: Halloween 3, Season of the Witch.
0: Yep, yep, which is much maligned by people, but other people love it.
1: But is now experiencing this comeback where people are really loving it.
0: Right. The reason they didn't like it is because it didn't continue the story of Michael Myers.
1: Exactly. And ha- the
0: Halloween movies were supposed to be like anthology anyway. It wasn't supposed to Which just be I Michael Myers. I think
1: would be super cool if they kind of went that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: think, like, not, I mean, I love Halloween. That's my favorite horror series. Sure. But I think now if they did, like, a reboot or did, like, another series that it was, like, more anthology style, mm-hmm. I think that'd just be so under that awesome.
0: banner, Yeah. Poltergeist, 1982
1: huge yep yep yeah,
0: yeah. fast times at Richmond high yeah buddy 1982 the big one of course et oh from 1982
1: i watched that recently and just sobbed like i was a child
0: <laughs> I, my wife hates it and what? she she because she was scared of et as a child and has not gotten over it Aww. and so whenever i whenever I, it, it, he remotely is on tv she just gets angry because she thinks I have put him on TV on purpose. Oh, my God. Um, and I Was watch- it
1: also, was it you or Derek that was like, I showed this movie to a young child in the family. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a kid's movie. And then it's like, she was sobbing 10 minutes in when E.T.'s family left.
0: No, that was not me. That was Derek that did that. <laughs> yeah, that was Derek. That,
1: that still tickles me. I think about that every single time I watch E.T.
0: <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Brought to life John Rambo in a movie called First Blood.
1: First Blood, yes.
0: Which, again, it, it, that's a movie that launched a franchise that was huge in the 80s. I mean, rated R movies that spawned a child's cartoon and toy line. <laughs> True story.
1: Oh, the 80s.
0: <laughs> but also in 1982, we were all introduced to a bemohawked, muscled-up man by the name of Mr. T. Ah. Uh, First name, Mr., middle name, that period, last name, T. He pities the fool. He did pity the fool. And that line, that, that turn of phrase became iconic because of another Sylvester Stallone movie that was released in 1982, Rocky III. Ah. Uh, and, of course, the...
1: What a segue.
0: Listen, I knew exactly <laughs> what I was doing, Kristen.
1: <laughs> Everybody slow clap for
0: Steve. Because I boy. was so excited. To get to this. When I saw this was on there, I said, that's it. It's on this is on my list. And I don't care what Kristen says. I don't care what Uncle Bill says. I don't care what anybody says. This is going on the list because this may very well be the greatest, most iconic song to come out of 1982. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Survivor with Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I listen. We've played some iconic heavy metal music, we've played some iconic skirts, a line of pop music tonight. We have played songs that have transcended time to still be, in many ways, relevant today and enjoyable, even some 40 years later. But there is not a song out of 1982, regardless of where this went to on the charts that has had the staying power and been on more playlists for more workouts than this song, Eye of the Tiger?
1: I mean, it can't be denied. I don't think you have to apologize Kristen,
0: for Kristen, it won't be denied.
1: <laughs> <laughs> as long as I draw breath.
0: <laughs> it will never be denied. <laughs>
1: That was Steve's little bit of Satan coming out in him. Oh my God!
0: That was my Nick Nolte out of the the movie Hulk coming out of me. Have you ever watched that one, the Angley Hulk?
1: I have not because it, I heard it was super bad.
0: Listen, it is not good. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a, it has a special place in my heart because of the some of the stuff they let the Hulk do when they finally let the Hulk do stuff, and because of of Nick Nolte. In, in that movie is just so everyone else whispers in that movie except for Nick Nolte and Nick Nolte just there comes, a, there finally comes a point where he just goes for it. And I don't know if this is Nick Nolte like this. He looks like Nick Nolte just stepped away from having his mug shot taken. If you remember <laughs> the mug shot, Nick Nolte Who does not? And, and there's a scene where he's sitting across from he, he plays it's no spoiler. He plays Bruce Banner's father. Mm -hmm. And his estranged father, who has been imprisoned for years, and now he's out. But anyhow, he's sitting across from Bruce in this one scene. They've captured Bruce, who was the Hulk, that sort of stuff. And now they're there together, and he's like, the military surround him. They're in this warehouse, and he's doing this whole thing. And he's like, he wants Bruce to change the Hulk. He's like, you're my real son. And he does this whole thing where suddenly his motivation turns from... Just wanting power for himself to, we can stand up against them for our sake and for all of humanity. <laughs> and like he, he becomes this political prisoner put on, and it's just hilarious to me. I'm like, that came out of nowhere. But anyhow, listen. I never think when I the Tiger comes around that I want to listen to I the Tiger. It is played out. I feel like. I feel like it's overdone. It's on everybody's workout playlist, all that good stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't have it in me to listen to this again. But then all of a sudden, ticka, 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 down, (laughs) down. And I'm like, I am
1: in it. You push your chips right to the middle of the table.
0: I do. I am all in. (laughs) And I'm singing along and everything else. So
1: Now, Steve, I know that you love the Rocky series?
0: Oh, if, if there were no Star Wars, Rocky would be not Star Wars.
1: So how do you rank the Rocky movies?
0: Okay, that's a great question, Kristen. That is a great <laughs> question and I thank you so much for asking me. <laughs> <laughs> because, Lord knows, we haven't gone long enough on this show. Um, <laughs> so I will go quickly as, as humanly possible. I think that the least of the Rocky movies, I'm going to go from from worst to first, okay? okay. I think the least of the Rocky movies is, of course, Rocky Five. Okay. I'm not alone in that. However, that's not me saying I hate Rocky Five or I think Rocky Five completely sucks. I think that Sylvester Stallone strayed a little too far from the formula uh, that he had perfected, and 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 he had a good story to tell, but he got too caught up in the times. Okay. And uh, so Rocky Five. Then, in a surprise move for everyone, I'm going to go Rocky Four uh, as 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 next to worst. Th- though I love Rocky Four. Rocky Four is a Rocky Four is a is a mid 1980s movie, and and it is a it is a music video on steroids. And uh, I love it. I love I love every every silly minute of it. We went and saw the director's cut um that was released uh back in November in the theaters. Um they did like an Adams film special, you know. That's thing. fun. Oh, it was so much fun. And I was sitting next to these girls, the two sisters, and um and and I and I'm like, "Wow, this is so much fun. Look, this Rocky transcends racial barriers." <laughs> and Rocky 4 has montages galore and it has a lot of like music video moments.
1: Okay.
0: And listen, I ain't gonna lie to you. When they started to play some of them songs, the sister started to sing along, and I'm like, "You have unlocked the door for me, girls. Here we go." <laughs>
1: this is now a sing along. Thank you and, so much. And
0: it did become a sing along. <laughs> but I love Rocky Four. But I have to admit that story wise and everything, it's just not. It's not quite there. Then, and yet another surprise move. I'm gonna go Rocky Two. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because yeah. Rocky 2 is great, and I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that happens in Rocky 2, but it does move very slowly to finally get to the end, and <laughs> and the character development doesn't doesn't quite work. But it's so, but the character development is still there. Like you have totally bought into Rocky and Adrian. Uh, oh my god, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, then then it is then it's Rocky three. Okay. Um, because it's my first Rocky that I ever saw and 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 I think that Rocky 3 does 80s Rocky better than Rocky 4 does 80s Rocky because it's still got a good story it's still got a lot of good heart to it you know, Mickey dies um, Mr. T is a compelling compelling villain and then to have Apollo who had been the bad guy come back around to train Rocky mm, um, yes. is, is really good I really like what they did with Rocky 3 Rocky Balboa would be my number two. Um, And I think it's just because of the emotional state it put me in the first time I saw it. It was the first Rocky (laughs) movie I watched in theaters. Um, And to watch it on the big screen, I got to go to an early screening of that, in fact. And the crowd was chanting Rocky during the fight at the end. But gosh, it moves really quickly and it does such a good job of just painting, of just reminding you how good a dude Rocky is. (laughs) Um, And because he is, he's just a good guy.
1: Has a good heart. He
0: heart does, yeah. He's the leg breaker with a heart of gold. <laughs> yep. And 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 you kind of forget that that's what he is, you know. By the time you get to Rocky two and beyond, uh, and then of course the original Rocky I, I, is a perfect film to me. I it, it is. I love every minute of that film, and it and it because it's not a boxing movie, and I don't mind it if it were a boxing movie, but it is it is a character story of this. Down on his luck, just he'd have nothing and will never have anything if it weren't for this one shot he's given. And he do, he goes out there to make the best of it. But all he cares about, like, listen, to me, Rocky is summed up in one line. Where's your hat? Because the last time he sees Adrian before he goes out for that fight with Apollo, she's wearing a hat in the background. And when she comes out to run to him, her hat falls off. And she gets in there and she says, Rocky, and he's like, Where's your hat? And she just says, I love you. And he's like, I love you. Aww. And it's just the bliss. But it's just like that's who Rocky is. He's so in tune with who Adrian is. That he's beaten and battered and and just bloodied. And here comes Adrian. He's like, Where's your hat? But there's also the moment they she's moved out from Pauly because Paulie's, you know, been an abusive jerk or what have you. Uh-huh. And um and Rocky goes the night before uh the, the, the match and he's in the ring and he looks up at the banner and they've got the trunks wrong and the promoter comes in and he's like, they got the trunks wrong. He's like, it doesn't really matter. Does it? I'm sure you're going to give him a great show. And it settles in on Rocky. No one thinks he can win and he knows he can't win. And he's laying there with Adrian. And he says, I can't win. And she says, what are we going to do? Mm. You know, they're in it together. One of and, the
1: greatest love stories of all time. Oh,
0: it is. It is. And then he says, if I can just go the distance, no one's ever going the distance with Creed. And he does, you know, mm-hmm. and oh, such, so good. <laughs> such a good movie. So, anyhow, there's my Rocky ratings.
1: You got to come to Philly and run the Rocky Steps.
0: Uh, well, I, mm-hmm. I've seen the videos of people run the Rocky Steps at the end of uh, Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. and I'd be like one of them fat people that can hardly do it. So. <laughs>
1: Well, you can walk the Rocky Statue I walk you can get the a picture Rocky with the statue. There you
0: go. That's what I. That, I would love to do that. By it's right
1: the there next to the art museum. You yep. can go to the Italian market where he runs through.
0: And you know what's so great about that scene is that no one knew who Sylvester Stallone was. No, they didn't know what was going on. And so as he's running through that market, like when someone throws an orange and he catches so I was it and waves,
1: throws the orange like that's like a real thing. Yeah, they weren't throwing plant.
0: it. They weren't throwing it to him. They were throwing it at him. At him. Yes. Well,
1: Steve, I am from the area. I know how Philly is. <laughs>
0: But here's the thing, though. After that movie, like somehow Philly just welcomed him into their hearts.
1: You don't have to tell me that. We have a statue. (laughs) We have a statue of him. We have Rocky tours. We have, Mm. before the Eagles play every year, it's that scene from Rocky 2 where Adrian's like, I want you to do something for me. And he's like, what? When?
2: When? And that's
1: when the bell rings and the entire crowd goes crazy. And that's when the Eagles come out on the field. Yes. It's a whole thing. It's part of the culture. People are like, "Oh well, you know, Philly. They like Rocky. He's a fake guy. He's not even a real guy." It's Mm-mm. like,
0: no, he's as real he as is real to conven- us. Yeah, well, he <laughs> is, and that's the thing. Is it's about the spirit. It's about the heart of the someone. And listen, the other thing is like when you get to Rocky three, you know, I of the Tiger, all that good stuff, and that gets used a lot. You know, I of the Tiger, brother. Come on, I of the Tiger. Um, Adrian has been so soft spoken and so like she's just kind of been there to support. And even, even in Rocky two, she's like, I don't want you doing this. I'm scared. She's scared for him. And, and in Rocky three, you know, he's in his own head. He's scared. He's, you know, Mickey's dead. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he's, and he's there on the beach and she comes to talk to him and she like, just fires him up. You know, she's Mm -hmm. like, what are you doing this for? You know, if you're scared, say you're scared. That's fine. But don't don't go out there and, and basically say, don't go out there and half-ass it. She's saying, you've put everything you've got. We all believe in you, but you got to believe in yourself. Because I know you can beat this guy. And and Rocky's just like, he says, where'd you learn to be so tough? And she says, <laughs> I live with a fighter. But she's the one who sends it. And like, oh, she's the key. She's the key to it all. So it is in Rocky Balboa. It's just heartbreaking when he's sitting there at a grave and everything. Oh,
1: See, that I love that, though. So even though I'm not a huge fan of, like, in terms of, like, you, like, you know all the Rocky movies. You've right. seen them all, et cetera. I love hearing that. I love hearing your ranking. That's why I asked.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you might throw the creeds in there, but I don't think you do. But in, in the first Creed, did you watch Creed?
1: I did, yeah. The first Creed made me cry.
0: Dude, when he gets the cancer diagnosis.
1: I know, I, I cried. I was on an airplane <sighs> flying home from England.
0: <laughs> but he's like, I watched my wife go through this. I'm just not going to worry with it. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! And it's like I don't know. I'm glad he didn't die, but I almost think they should have let him die.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and the great. And I also think he should have won an Oscar for. Best I was just going to say
1: I'm so upset he didn't win an Oscar for yeah. that role.
0: Yeah. Anyway, well, look, this isn't a rock. This isn't a Rocky podcast. It's a rock podcast. So uh, <laughs> anyway, that listen the, the 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 email is rockoutloudpod at gmail dot com. That's rockoutloudpod at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you over there shoot us an email. Check out the documentaries that Kristen has mentioned over on Reels. Kristen, what's weird is the, uh, the the preview you sent me has been taken down. Really? Yeah, apparently someone got hit with a copyright strike.
1: Interesting.
0: So, uh, But yeah, rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. We're on the Twitter, rockoutloudpod. We're over on Facebook with a rockoutloud page, but also the Goldiverse page, which you can get to by going to uh, geekoutonline.com slash group. And, uh, we'd love to have you come over there and hang out with us, party with us. Geekoutpodcast.com is where you can find the RSS feeds and that sort of thing. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple podcast. Um, I bet we can get on Amazon podcast if we try. I have to look into that. I have to look into that. Anyhow, we're trying to, we're endeavoring to be wherever you find podcasts. So let us know. We go live when we do this at mixer.com slash So, uh, check it out whenever you have the opportunity. And uh, we appreciate you guys being a part of this. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud if you're in a position to help the shows. And uh, we appreciate all of our supporters and all of our friends who are here for us. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us and partying on with us in the vein of one Wayne and one Garth. Uh, so I'm going to stop rambling and say to everyone, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you on the next Rock Out Loud. Until then, I'm Steve.
1: I'm Kristen.
0: Rock on, everybody.
1: Rock on, guys. Bye. Let's get, let's, let's, let's get, let's get, let's get, let's get, let's
2: get, let's 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 get,
0: let's get, 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 Steve. Ask him let us favorite Rocky movies.
1: I mean, we're the two easiest people to derail ever, so.
0: That's true.
3: That's true. I'll give you that.